Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Strange Pathways. I'm your host, Scott Mort. Interesting little episode coming up today. This was completely by accident. All three of our cases this week, Poland. It it was weird how it just it just kind of fell together like that. I didn't mean for it to happen. It just sort of happened. Make of that what you will, but I found it at least somewhat interesting around the Mort household. We've had a lot of strange coincidences uh, pop up very recently. And in my mind, it's, it has to mean something, right? Whenever you're driving down a street, in the street we were driving down, it's not like you know Smith Street or Walnut Street or Maple Street. No, this was Old Railroad Street. And apropos of nothing, we were listening to NPR and the, the narrator on NPR happened to use the phrase Old Railroad just as that big sign came up, Old Railroad Street. I mean, we, we do live in a universe of non-zero possibilities, but that's... It does feel like the universe is trying to get my attention as of late. Our first tale is going to take us to, and I'm going to butcher all these names. My apologies up front. Lubniak, Poland, somewhere in the vicinity of September 2010. A gentleman was riding his bicycle through the forest. There's a little village close to this forest, Kozakin. And I'm going to tell you right now, completely jealous of this man. I would love to be able to ride a bicycle through a forest right now. But he, he's going into the forest to do something that I've always thought was a little risky. Gather mushrooms. I have a friend. I have a friend in Sweden who, who does this. Just absolute pro at it. But I've just, I've never had the nerve. I've never had the nerve. I, I... I don't have the attention to detail, I suppose, that, that my friend does. Maybe it's, maybe it's just my makeup. Maybe it's the fact that I'm colorblind. But I think I'm going to leave the mushroom gathering to, to others. Now, this, this was a very sunny morning. And this gentleman, like a lot of hunters, he has his spot. He, he has, like, the place that he always goes to pick mushrooms. And he's been picking mushrooms there for years. He knows this place. It's like his own home. So he goes out there, rides his bike on this beautiful sunny day. I imagine, like, you know, the, the patterns 
of sunlight or on the path, dancing around as the wind pushes through the trees. He gets out there, and he bends over, and he starts to collect his bounty, the mushrooms that he loves so much. And that's whenever he noticed these silvery flashes between the trees, something not quite like sunlight on his left-hand side. It's, it's, it's almost like there's a mirror between the trees. This man's adventurous. He's curious. He goes further into the woods to see what's causing this. He goes about a hundred feet, reaches the forest road, and then he sees it. It's it, it's this creature that looks like a fat, inflatable dummy. It's concrete gray. It, it's got thick arms and legs that are kind of just attached to the cylindrical body. No neck. No neck at all. But a, a head that just resembled a semicircular pot. The witness, surprised, scared. And that's whenever, all of the sudden, a second individual emerges from the forest. It's only about half the height of the first. But this one is white. With large black eyes. A triangular body that tapers downward. And it's wearing a little sash belt. Very, very different from the creature before. Skinny arms and legs. It's, it's almost the exact opposite of the creature he's seen before. This man is scared, and then he hears a thought in his head that is not one of his thoughts. He hears the words, You're afraid, huh? He's terrified. He's terrified. He, he runs away, jumps on his bicycle, and just pedals as fast as he can back home. Now this witness, this man, he only saw these creatures for 60 seconds, one minute. He was only about 100 feet away. He got a very, very good look at them. The, the witness, though, afterwards, he didn't recover. I've said it before. I'll say it again. A lot of times, these incidents ruin a person's life. They're... Everybody wants to see a UFO. Everybody wants to see an alien. But 
what they don't realize is a lot of times there are long reaching after effects to this. And this gentleman, he had become very nervous. His health declined rapidly. I wasn't able to find out if he did recover fully. I mean, I imagine at least on the mental side of things, that that's something that you don't ever really recover from. Something, something to take note of, though. Something to take note of. We have an area here in Pennsylvania very, very close to us called the Chestnut Ridge. And the Chestnut Ridge is known for its high strangeness. There's a very, very good movie, Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. It's on Tubi. Please go watch it. It is amazing. One of the the surefire things, though, about the Chestnut Ridge is the UFOs are often sighted near power lines. Where did this take place? These flashes happened near some overhead power lines. Is it possible that maybe something electromagnetic caused a hallucination? Sure, sure. Or or is it possible that whatever this is has an easier time manifesting itself whenever it's near a source of high power. Our next tale will take us to the summer of 1963. Lesnica which is a district near Roklau, Poland. Our witnesses are a group of children, one of which will grow into Ms. Anna Sobchak. Now, Anna was the only one brave enough to come forward about what happened, but she didn't come forward for 50 years. So please be aware, there, there may be some tricks that Anna's mind has played on her after replaying this incident over and over in her mind for 50 years. They, they say that every time you remember something, you're only remembering the last time you remembered it. You're not remembering that original event. I call bullcrap on that. There are certain events in my life that have hit me hard enough that I know that I'm not remembering the last time I remembered them. You can't tell me that. I'm remembering the time. I remember the time that I first kissed my wife. I remember our marriage in the middle of COVID. And I remember holding my dead mother's hand 
eight years ago. Certain things leave an impact. I'm not remembering the memory. I'm remembering the actual event. And I'm willing to bet the same is true for Anna. Anna and her friends had this place that they loved to play. It was a meadow. It was very close to their house. And this small stream flowed through the meadow. Now, if you would follow this stream through the tall grass, past the flowers and the rocks, it would flow underneath the road to a park. The, the children, being as, as adventurous as children are, they would always go to the tunnel, look through it, giggle a little bit, and then walk through this tunnel to the other side, to the park. Now, on this particular day, there was a terrible accident close to the tunnel. A motorcyclist was killed. He'd lost control of his bike, hit a tree. The children saw it. They didn't see it happen, but they saw the aftermath. Trigger warning. The body was covered with a black bag. The children watched what happened. And then they kind of brushed it off. As usual, they went, they played in the field, and then they went under the bridge. To get to the bridge, this little tunnel, you have to enter the stream first. And Anna was the first one in. The rest of the children followed her. They looked inside. They expected to see the bushes on the other end. But they didn't. They saw this bright background. Nothing behind this bright background could be seen. Only brightness. And in front of this brightness is a silver figure. It's almost like a diver. On top of the helmet, there was this weird thing that looked like corrugated pipe that went down the back. The diver had something like a stick in its hand. And it was making gestures. Almost like it's telling them to follow it. This really kind of feels like Sam the Sandown Clown, doesn't it? When, when this diver, and I'm using air quotes, when this diver moved, you could hear this sound that sounded like aluminum foil rustling. And, and the diver emanated a strange energy from itself. And this energy drew the children to it. It was, it was hard for the kids to even back away, even though they were frightened and screaming in panic. Somehow, though, they pulled away from this, 
and they ran back to the apartment building where Anna lived. Once Anna returned to the apartment, she told her grandparents what happened. She told them about, like, the screen of bright white light, the crackly creature's costume. She told them how it was flabby looking with no buttons or zippers. She told them the color of it, the silver metallic color and of the helmet with the tube running down the back, how there were no gloves and that the creature's forearms ended in a rounded shape. She told them about the stick thing that the creature had. She told them how the creature moved. It was fluid, but slowed down like slow motion. She told them how the diver first shook his hand and seemed to call the children to himself. She said how she could hear the rustling of the suit. She told them all of this. And the grandfather and grandmother laughed about it. Anna was ashamed. Anna was ashamed and never talked about it again and never played in that place again. And that breaks my heart. Please go back and listen to my episode on Sam the Sandown Clown. The girl's father had a strange UFO experience. And because of that, he listened to his daughter. A couple of episodes ago, I told, I, I told you how I thought I found a UFO landing site whenever I was a kid. And my dad walked out with me to see it. And was able to explain it away. We might have more answers. If Anna's grandparents wouldn't have laughed at her. We might have more evidence. If they would have backed her up. Heard her out. But no. They laughed. So I'm begging you. Whenever your friends, whenever your family come to you with a story like this, I am begging you. Do what my father did. Do what the witness's father for the Sam the Sandown Clown did. Listen to them. Ask questions, be understanding, and try to find the truth.
Our last tale is going to take us to the summer of 1937. Cernica, Germany. Now it's Poland. A large, multicolored, globe-shaped UFO falls in a field. This area is immediately cordoned off by soldiers, SS troops from the town of Heleniagora. At the time, it was called Hirschberg during Germany occupation. Now, this crashed globe is transported from Hirschberg SS base and kept under very strong guard. Very, very strong guard. The disc is 7.6 meters in diameter, 3.8 meters high, and it's it's uh, made of a large, overwhelming dome, circled by a narrow outer rim, and then a smaller flat dome on the bottom with a flat lower section. The top of the dome is also flat and large. The craft has six oval-shaped structures resembling portholes, but not transparent. And there's devices that radiate some type of light located near the base of the upper dome. The lower surface of the outer rim of the craft has 12 lights. The, the disc is dull metal gray. And there's an insignia on the dome that looks like the letter T with two props on its sides. This craft does have an entrance. It's, it's on the top of the upper dome. The, the overall shape of it, though, it, it kind of resembles a German soldier's helmet with a small little protrusion on the bottom. Once they were able to gain access, they found inside a circular cabin with three small seats control panels, and three alien beings. One was dead from the crash. The other two, though, alive. One of them, one of them would succumb to their wounds soon after the crash. But that second live alien, he lived for one and a half months and then died. Now these aliens, they were small dwarf-like creatures, only about a meter in height. Large, hairless, pear-shaped heads, small, spindly bodies, long, narrow hands with four fingers, grayish skin, and large, dark, slanted eyes. The SS troops and scientists, though, they're, they've moved the disc, but they're really afraid to move it more. There's some indication that it may explode during transportation. So, what do you do? If, if you can't take the craft to the lab, then you build the lab around the craft. Now, they were able to move it to a secure underground location this this underground location was called Deris it's in a Nazi complex in the Gorosowy Mountains southwest Poland 
They're using the site for excavating uranium ore. This deep underground military base, there's underground hangars connected by tunnels. And the bodies of these occupants of the craft, their move to this complex. That one alien that lived for a little bit over a month and a half, it it was trading information and desperately asking the the Nazi doctors for help. But they couldn't do anything. The the alien had an amazingly different biological structure than than anything the doctors had seen and died from an unknown illness. Supposedly, the alien did tell them, though, that this craft was from a double star system. It is known as 78Mu-1-Signi. And it's about 73.1 light years away from us. Supposedly, the alien told them they had built underground bases in the polar region of the Canadian Northwest Territories. Even on Baffin Island. Now, this information, it was given to Hitler himself. No, no technical data was provided by the aliens that could help the Nazis. But that doesn't mean they didn't try. Try, they did. The alien told the Germans that the crash was caused by some kind of technical malfunction. The alien was kept and interrogated in the same underground facility as the disc. Now, Adolf Hitler, he inspected the disc. Air Marshal Hermann Goring inspected the disc. Werner von Braun inspected the disc. You know, the head of NASA. Him? They were attempting to use this object as some sort of secret weapon. There were others investigating it. Max von Lau, Otto Hahn, the, uh, the man who discovered nuclear fu- fusion, Werner Heisenberg. But, thankfully, thankfully, this alien tech was sophisticated the Nazis were never able to make head nor tails of it. They did take some inspiration from it. They constructed a few models of disc-shaped plane and flying bombs. And who knows? The, the fact that they possessed this it may have given Hitler the confidence to start World War II. It's only a matter of time before we crack this, guys. We'll have a super weapon. It will help us conquer the world. The approaching Soviet troops, though, 
they were too they were too close to the truth and the underground complex was blown up the disc the bodies of the aliens were buried in one of the underground tunnels the entrance was sealed supposedly it's still there the the disc supposedly emanates radiation but the nearby uranium mines keeps this source of radiation undetected is the story true maybe maybe not it does seem extremely far-fetched and i'll be the first to admit that there are certainly a lot of holes the date 1937 well occupation of poland didn't start until 1939 if you want a little bit of weirdness the field that this craft supposedly crashed in belonged to eva braun he this this case fun though it may be fun though it may be does seem like a uh, a bunch of bull crap <laughs> it's I, I i feel like this is a piece of nazi pseudo history and there's the whole thing stinks of of, of being fake doesn't it There, I mean, come on. A UFO crashing in Poland on land owned by Eva Braun's par- parents in 1937. That's really, that's really the kicker for me. That 1937 date. Right? Occupation of Poland, 1939. And how the disc is too dangerous to move, but all of a sudden it sort of moves to a deep underground military base how the lab is built up around the ufo and then all of a sudden it's in the mountains no this is a fun story this is a fun story in my opinion might there be kernels of truth to it yes it you know, you take a look at at the ops that Richard Doty, who in my opinion, Richard Doty's a piece of crap. I'm going to say it. In my opinion, Richard Doty is a piece of crap. You take a look at what Doty said, though, is that you give a whole lot of truth and a little bit of lies. Honestly, Doty belongs in prison, as, as far as I'm concerned. For, for so many reasons, not the least of which is what he did to poor, poor Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz just wanted to help his country. Richard Doty and the men that he worked for. I mean, the stuff they did to that man. Criminal. 
criminal. If it's not a crime, it damn well should be. So is there some truth to this story? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe this is just a whole bunch of Nazi propaganda. Or maybe it goes in the other direction. Look at this. The Nazis couldn't even win the war with a UFO. But we'll take it for what it is. Entertaining. Thank you for joining us once again here on Strange Pathways. Please head over to the YouTube channel, which I'm fairly certain is Shadow Band. Um, go over there, click that subscribe button, hit the like, leave a comment. Crystal, thank you so much, Crystal. Crystal D, for, for the wonderful, wonderful comments that you've been leaving, it's been lifting my spirits because for, it, it seems like for every subscriber we get on YouTube, we have about 50 listens to the podcast on other platforms. So yeah, it's, it's nice to see somebody just from the sides cheering you on crystal D. Thank you so, so very much. Also want to give a shout out to John L. John, you know who you are. Thank you so much. And I will answer your question right here, right now. Why three stories every week? Um, whenever I decide to do this, I, I, I took a lot of inspiration from a lot of different podcasts. Uh, the podcast that I took, Mysterious Universe, uh, Dead Rabbit Radio, uh, I Anything Ghost. Long, long time ago. I don't know if anything ghost is still around. Uh, the Graylian Report. Uh, definitely expanded perspectives. Oh my heavens. Expanded perspectives. Absolutely amazing. So I took inspiration from these and a lot of other podcasts out there. And I didn't want it to be ha-ha over the top. I just got done being in a podcast that was kind of like ha-ha over the top. Uh, really trying to be a lot like, a lot like, uh, a, a gentler, a gentler last podcast on the left, but with true crime, I didn't want to do that anymore, anymore. I didn't like what I was doing. It felt forced. So whenever I took this, whenever I took this, it felt like I wanted to do some really out there stuff. That was, that was where dead rabbit radio came in. I loved listening to dead rabbit radio. I wanted to do some out there stuff that nobody had ever heard of. And Jason Carpenter does an amazing job with Dead Rabbit Radio. The man is a machine putting it out every day, five days a week. The man's an absolute machine. Nothing but respect for Jason Carpenter. But I wanted it to be a bit like Mysterious Universe. But I also want it to be, you know, J Jason Carpenter for Dead Rabbit Radio. He does like two, two stories every episode. 
And he's got a great sense of humor. I didn't want that for this show. So I ended up choosing three stories for each episode. And the reason I did that was just because there's something mystical about that number three. You you go through history. The three the three men uh, in black that visited Albert K. Bender. Uh, you have you have the three wise men. You have you know the three stooges. You have the Holy Trinity, and it, it seems that number three is there's something sacred about it. There's something holy. It even goes all the way down to jokes. The three stooges. Uh, three men walk into a bar. Uh, there's something about that number three. So John L., the reason I chose number three is just the ingrained mysticism of it. Please head over to Twitter, Pathways Strange, TikTok, Strange Pathways Podcast. Same with Instagram, Strange Pathways Podcast. Come on over to the Facebook we're going to have some images on the Facebook and the Twitter. And, and you know what? I'll throw them up on the Instagram as well, pertaining to the cases we had today. And if you've got a tale that you'd like to tell me, if you've got some high strangeness in your life and no one else will listen to you, I will listen to you. Strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much for joining us here again this week. Big thank you going out to John L., Crystal D., uh, CERN Stormrunner. Thank you so, so much. Take care of yourselves. And that, that goes for everybody, not just those three guys, but take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>